Hey, this is Pastor Chris with Believer City Church. Listen, I want to thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message on today. It's my prayer that something said will encourage you to believe in God, believe in yourself, and believe in others. And with that being said, let's jump straight into the message. Father God, I'm here today seeking a word from you. So open my ears that I can hear. Touch my heart so that I will feel and renew in me a right mind so that I will do. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, amen. First Corinthians chapter 13, uh, the epistle writes to a group of people from the apostle Paul, and it says these words in verse four. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. Follow along with us on the screen. This is what it says. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Verse five, does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own is not provoke, does not take into account wrong suffered. Catch this, verse 6. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with truth. If you don't mind, as you take your seat, hug somebody, high-five somebody, and just tell them, I love you. Amen? Amen. I am so elated to be here on today, excited about how we are growing as a church and people are getting involved and connected. I was celebrating with a group of volunteers who come extra early. Some arrive at 8.30, some arrive at 9.30, just to prepare so that we can have an awesome worship environment. And I was counting the amount of people that were here, and it was about 15, 16 people were here. And I just had to look at a couple of them and realize, do y'all know that we have 15, 16 people volunteering when we used to only have 15, 16 people at church? That is a major, y'all don't have to celebrate that. I ain't worried about it. I, I'm the one that gets to stand up here and preach and look out and see seats getting filled in. And it makes me excited to know that God is doing some amazing. There is nothing like being a visionary that has a vision, but you can't see it growing. It's almost as like an individual who plants a seed and waters it day in and day out, but never sees anything sprouting. But the reality is just because you don't see see things doesn't mean that things are happening. This is a whole nother message. Don't have anything to do with today. But the reality is that when you plant a seed in the ground and you water it before anything sprouts above, guess what it has to do? It has to set up roots below. I don't know why I'm talking about this, but I want to make sure that you understand that some of us are looking for things to manifest above ground when we need to focus on making sure things are rooted below ground. Because if we don't have the roots below ground, then it does not no matter how tall something grows above ground, it does not have the foundation to remain set. I see where God is going with this because love is the foundation of all things. Can I help you understand something today? Paul writes to the people and he says to them, I don't care how rich you are. I don't care how much you can speak in tongues. I don't care how well you pray. I don't care how much you prophesy. If you ain't got love, you don't have nothing. This is why I know some people that are okay being broke, living in the hood, going through things because they have love. Their family is full of love. Their relationship is full of love. This is why Big Mama made it in South Dallas in Bunton Projects and never worked about how big a house was going to be because she knew whenever she put a pot on the stove, she was making it with love. She knew when people came and knocked on her door, they were coming because they love her. We couldn't just text Big Mama back then. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. They had them rotary phones back then. You had to wait till that thing cycled around just to make sure you call. So if you call somebody, you did it on purpose. Wasn't no pocket dialing back then. And you did it out of love. Oh... We need more love in the world. You should hear people saying that all the time and never really thought about how, how valuable love is. Love is the only thing that gave us the life that we have today. It was love that created us. It was love that redeemed us. It's going to be love that recalls us. It's love that keeps us in the presence of God. It's God's love that allows him to remain faithful when we're not even faithful. It's God's love that gives us the ability to experience his grace and mercy day in and day out. But yet and still, we are nothing but some hypocrites if we are willing to receive love but not return it. 
God calls us to be disciples. He calls us to be disciples. And as being a disciple, what he's saying essentially is I need you not only to learn from me, but live like me so that others can lead like me. I, I need you to have a full understanding and comprehension of who I am. So when I love you, I need you to go back and share that same love with somebody else. But the problem is with most of us believers, we get right. We get that good smelling perfume. We stop buying the body oil and get the real thing. And as a result of it, we start treating other people like that. Nothing. We forget that it was not somebody laying hands on us that changed us. It was not somebody uh, uh, telling us over and over that you better read the scripture that changed us. It's somehow that we encountered God's love, whether it was through an individual or if it was through a personal circumstance that you had an encounter with God's love. And as a result of it, that's why you keep coming back to places like this. No matter how much people have hurt you, no matter how much people have put you down, no matter how much things have not worked out for the way that you want it to work out. You know the reality is that I have experienced God's love. And as a result of it, I want to, I want to experience it even more. I want, to, I want to be challenged to share it. And so Paul writes this epistle to these people. He says, man, y'all are awesome. Y'all are building an amazing church. Life is grand. I've heard great things about you, but I want to make sure before you get the big head that you understand and everything you do, I need you to do it with love. Old saints used to sing a song that said, love lifted me. Love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. And so Paul pencils this text and he writes this. Couldn't send an email at that time, but he writes it hoping that the words that he expressed on whatever the document was that he wrote that day would find them and would have just as much value when he wrote it. I believe not only did it have value then, but it still has value now. We led off this series entitled Love's Reaction with a message entitled Love Confidence Reaction. And because we had to understand if you're going to claim that you love someone or love something, you have to be confident in the fact that you love it. Why? Because your confidence is what's going to allow you to be committed. Because sometimes things are not going to always go the way that you think they should go when you're in love. And as a result of it, you have to be confident that God has called you to this relationship. He's called you to this church. He's called you to this job. He's called you to those children. And as a result of it, when you say, you love them. It does not matter if they love you back. You say, I love them and I'm confident in my love for them. It reminds me of when God says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever shall believe in him shall have everlasting life. That was not a caveat that says, if you don't love me, I take my love back. There was no PS. I'm giving it conditionally. He says, I'm giving it to you unconditionally because I am confident in my love for you. This is why I believe Paul says in the text, love is patient, love is kind, and love is not jealous because he is confident in the matter that even though it may take a minute, I'm willing to wait. Then we went on to week two, transcending from understanding that love is confident to understanding that although love is confident, love also has the responsibility to be considerate. And as a result of being considerate, it means that if you love something, you can't always look at things from your perspective. You have to take a moment to step outside of yourself and see where they may be coming from. Paul continues in the text. He says, not only is love patient, not only is love kind, not only is love not jealous, but he says, love does not brag, is not arrogant, and does not act unbecoming. He says, love is considerate enough that I put the needs of others, the desires of others before I put before myself. Can you imagine what would have happened if our Lord and Savior would have said, oh, I don't want to die for them. I don't care what they're going through. I, they, they messed up in the garden. They the one ate the fruit. We told them not to eat it, but yet and still he says, I'm considerate enough to understand they need me and I have to be everything that they need me to be. And so I'm considerate to understand that even though it may not feel good to me, even though it may not be what I want to do, I'm going to do exactly what is needed of me because I am in love 
with you. I'm in love with them. I, as a result of it, I want to be confident. I want to be considerate. But today I want to take you to a third topic in week three as we continue to, to uh, pass through the text. I want to make sure that you understand not only is love confidence, not only is love considerate, but today is a word that might get me cussed out from some of y'all in this place. I want you to understand that love has a compromising reaction. Love's compromising reaction. Some people, radar has already went off. Love has nothing to do with compromising. How are you going to tell me that God is willing to compromise? God ain't never compromised before. I'm going to show it to you in the text. Stand by. Here we come. This is where we are. This morning, this morning, I woke up and, and God just happens to give me things right before I have to preach to be able to share because I woke up and my wife, she is a neat freak. She loves to clean and I understand. I'm blessed for I'm happy that I I have them. She can't stand a trash can to be in the house full. I get it. I understand. She ain't the only woman that probably has a problem with that in her own today. I don't need no amens. Keep them to yourself. I'm just trying to tell y'all something. And so, so this is what happens. And she gets upset when either me or my son forgets to take out the trash. And she has this thing that she does when we can't do our job. She's like, you can't do your job? I'm going to do it for you. And she knows I hate her taking out the trash, especially when it's not trash day. We live in a city that does not allow us to put trash cans on the street. And so as a result of it, the trash just lays out on the curb. Well, it makes me look bad to my neighbors when nobody else has trash on the curb. But that's my least of my problems. I'm not worried about that. This morning, the same thing that happens a couple of other times, she takes the trash out, she puts it out, and as a result of it, some rodents, some rats, some ants, some whatever, rips up the trash bag, and now my trash is scattered through my neighborhood. Now it just makes me look, I can only imagine how many people have woke up before I did this morning and seen my trash all out on the block because of the fact I couldn't do what I was supposed to do. It actually wasn't me. I got a son now. That's Isaiah's responsibility. It has nothing to do with me. He didn't take the trash out. And so here it is. Here it is that I now, before I come to church, me and my son, we didn't earn, ironed our clothes, earned if you're from the hood, uh, and so we didn't, we didn't got our clothes prepared, used the faultless starch. He was like, Daddy, I didn't know it does that. It makes it shiny. Yes, yeah, son, let me teach you something. And so we took that time, and now we got to go out there in our J's, bending down, picking up trash off the ground. Oh, y'all should have seen the blood pressure go up in my veins. Instantly, I said, Isaiah, go get a trash bag. We picked up the trash. We did everything we needed to do. I threw it in the back of the Tahoe. But before I left that house, while she was still laying in the bed, sleep in her eyes, I said, honey, honey, uh, I need you to do me a favor. I understand you don't like the trash laying around, but I don't need you putting trash out on non-trash days. I don't want to have to keep picking up trash again off the ground. She kind of looks at me. And closes her eyes. I didn't say anymore. I just left the house. I left the house. I already knew that at some point she was going to say something. She would have a rebuttal for me. I ain't going to even put on blast what a rebuttal was. But, but, but what I am going to say is that because I love her, before I even heard her rebuttal, I said, listen, I got a plan. I'm going to go buy a trash can and I'm going to put it next to the garage. And so if we miss the trash day, just put the trash in the trash can by the garage, and that way nothing can get inside of it. It'll have a top on it. We'll be good to go. You should have seen her face on FaceTime. Okay. <laughs> Whatever you say. I was like, cool. I'm going to go. I got to get ready for church. I don't want my spirit vexed. We'll talk about this later. And, and, and so we went on. So my love for her allows me to make a compromise. The compromise is, yes, I'm on Mr. Trash. I'm sorry. I'll be in a hurry trying to get the kids to school. I forget. Yes, I understand you don't want trash in your house, but I don't want trash sitting on the edge of the street when it ain't a trash day because I don't want dogs, cats, or whatever digging through the trash. So let's make a compromise. The compromise is I'm going to sacrifice and buy an industrial-sized trash can, put it behind my truck in the driveway so that we can put the trash in there. It gets out of your house, but it's not on the street, and we can make sure we catch it on trash. That is the compromise. That is how compromising works. The reason why many of us fail to compromise is because we always think when you're compromising, you're losing. I needed to show you that today. I needed to show you that today, that if you really love something, if you really love someone, then you have to be willing to compromise. Compromising does not mean you lose. 
Look at where we went up to this point. We've been confident in our love. We've been considerate of others. And because we're confident and we're considerate, it puts us in a position where we should be willing to compromise. I cannot compromise unless I'm considerate. I will not be considerate unless I'm confident. So being in a position that says I'm willing to compromise is not a bad thing. There are many people that would still be married today if they were willing to compromise. There are many people that would still be employed with certain jobs today if them and their employers were willing to compromise. There are many people that would still be at churches today if people were willing to compromise. But because people think that the, 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 the power of God is asserting your authority and saying, I am the man, I'm the king of the jungle. Uh, because of that's the way people think as a result of it, people say, okay, well, if you got to have everything your way, I guess I don't have to be a part of this. I'm willing to meet you halfway, but I can't do everything your way. Josh hit me up this week. Y'all know I like preaching about Josh. Because he hits me up and he always coming with me with things and he's hit me up this week and I, it was, I was challenged to compromise. And Josh, even though you probably don't realize this, what I'm preaching about you, you need to understand I love you because I'm willing to compromise. And, and so he comes to me and he comes with these unique ideas and it puts me at a cross and sometimes I'm like, no, I'm the pastor, it's done. But the reality is that I understand that I have to be willing to compromise because if I'm not willing to compromise, then I'm not really valuing the relationship that we have, and as a result of it, we can't move forward from here. And so I have to ask myself, would I rather do it with him or without him? And so then I have to go and say, well, does it really hurt what he's asking me to do? And the reality is, it doesn't. I don't have to, when you're confident in who you are, where you are, you don't have to flex your muscles. And yeah, I got them. I ain't going to show them to y'all today, but I, I got them. They there. You don't got to flex your muscles. You can put yourself in a position that says, let's work this thing together. I promised y'all I was going to show you how God was willing to compromise. Did you not remember that in the text in Genesis chapter one, God created man. He created all humanity. Things were awesome. Genesis chapter two gives you a full recap of day six of Genesis chapter one. And that's as he says, this is the, exactly what I did on day six. But then in Genesis chapter three, because God had already told man in Genesis chapter two, don't you eat from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. He said, you can have everything else around the garden. Even if you want to step outside of the garden, do whatever you want to do, but don't fool with that one thing at the center of that garden. That just perplexes me because Essentially, if it was the center of the garden, that mean in order for Eve to even get to it, if she wasn't around it, she had to pass by a whole bunch of other stuff and Adam just to get to the center. If it was me, I would have stayed all on the outskirts of that whole thing. But somehow they found themselves next to the center of this thing. And so they're, they're there and, and they eat what they were not supposed to eat. One rule, don't eat it. Because if you eat it, you will surely die. Then they get into a whole conversation with the enemy, and the enemy say, you ain't going to die, and everything that happened, but they end up dying emotionally. They end up dying spiritually. Uh, they just didn't die physically, but it would lead to their deaths physically, and they are put outside of the garden. They're put outside of the garden. That should have been the end of the relationship. You cheated on me. You was wrong. You didn't hold down your end of the bargain. I did everything for you. I was always there for you. I sacrificed for you. I gave you my breath. I spent time molding you, building you into the thing. Some of y'all women should be celebrating with this conversation right now because y'all have invested time, and some of y'all men too have invested in time and getting people where they need to be, and you feel betrayed, and as a result of it, you want to just throw in the towel. I'm not telling anybody to stay or go. That's for God to tell you to do, but what I am telling you today is that God's love is so strong that even when we hurt him, he doesn't give up. Even when we hurt him, he doesn't give up. And so what he essentially does, he puts them out of the garden. But when he puts them out of the garden, this is why I say their punishment was never being put out of the garden. They had punishment that was issued to them. The serpent would lose his legs and would have to crawl on the earth. Uh, the man would have to work by the sweat of his brow. Women would have labor pains and long for the love of their, their husband. They, they had punishments, but the punishment was never being kicked out of the garden. Put, being put out of the garden was actually an act of protecting. If you go back and read your Bible, you'll see that the guy that we serve says in the text, listen, man has eaten from the tree of good and evil. Now they're like us. They know the good and bad. Can you understand that God never wanted you to experience the bad things in life? 
That's why he said, don't eat that one tree. Because if you eat that one tree, you'll know not only good, but also evil. He says, everything I've created has always been good. All you have seen was the good. You have never seen the void. You have never seen the fact that the enemy has betrayed me. And this is why the enemy said with, with confidence, this is why I say the devil ain't never lied to me. He'll manipulate me, but he ain't never lied to me. He says with confidence, if you eat from that tree, you're going to be just like God. They should have asked themselves, what do you mean I'm just going to be just like God? I was already created in his image. I'm already like him. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What you need is clarity. Just like God means you're going to know the bad and the ugly and not just the good. The worst fear for any parent with their kids is for them to get exposed to the bad and the ugly. And so he puts them out as an act of protecting them. And you know that he puts them out as an act of protecting them because of the fact that he doesn't put them out by themselves. He goes with them. He goes with them. This is why we know that he always be with us even until the ends of time. And so what we see in the text is that his love that should have put them to death, that should have caused separation, he continues to allow them to live through the process. And then we see God's ultimate compromise because when he has given humanity the opportunity to make sacrifice as an atonement for their sin and humanity still does not give God the best, but they give him the less. He says, listen, I'm willing to compromise. There has to be a sacrifice. That's fine. I will make the ultimate sacrifice. All you have to do is believe. Essentially, he says, I want you to have everlasting life from day one. You messed that up and put yourself in a position where you wanted to do whatever you wanted to do. I gave you the opportunity to make it right by putting a couple of sheep, a couple of cow on the altar, but you decided you didn't want to do that anymore. You wanted to do things your way. So fine, this is what I'm going to do because I love you, because I don't want to give up on you, because I don't want you to walk away from me. What I need to do is I'm going to make the sacrifice and all you have to do is accept it. That is God's compromising love. It does not require him to give up his position of authority. It does not require him to say, I'm willing to accept anything less than your best. It just says there, there has to be another way that we can reach the same destiny. There has to be another way that we can get to the same point. I'm not changing where I want to be. I'm just willing to say, let's figure this out. Let's work together as a team. In a relationship, a husband and a wife have to be willing to compromise. A mother and a child need to be willing to compromise. They have to be willing to work things out together so that we can get to the same point, that we can get to a place that benefits everyone involved. Can I help you understand something today? In a church, people have to compromise. Everything is not always going to go your way. Everything is not always going to make you feel good. Every message is not always going to make you jump and scream and be happy. Everything is not always going to be in your favor. But if you're willing to compromise, then we can get somewhere together. Because the ultimate goal is for us to get somewhere together. Not by ourselves, because that's the reason we join forces is to get somewhere together. So my question is, as believers, are you willing to compromise? Are you willing to give up what you thought was happiness and embrace what God says is happiness? Are you willing to give up what you thought was peace and satisfaction and embrace what God says is peace and satisfaction? Because if you're not willing to compromise and understand that God, because I love you, even though Pookie or Shamil say she down with me, God, I'm going to have to let them go just to get with you. God, because I love you, just because it's income tax season, don't mean I'm going to walk away from the church because I don't need to pray for the next two or three months. God, I love you. I'm going to stick in this thing with you over and over again because I love you. I believe the text teaches us what compromising is. It teaches us the reactions that should develop as a result of our compromising. And I want to make sure that you leave here today because maybe your marriage might be saved. Maybe your parenting might be a little easier. Maybe you won't leave this church or maybe another church that you're at if you understand that you have to be willing to compromise. Again, compromise is not you giving up your position of authority. Compromise is not you giving up your viewpoint. It's just saying, hey, you saying one thing, I'm saying another thing. I see that there's a path somewhere in between that can get us where we need to be. Are you willing to talk about it? Can we be willing to talk about it 
at least and not just shut me down, not just alienate me because the way that I think we should get to East Ledbetter is not the same way you think we should get to East Ledbetter. We, we might, you might be using Google. I'm using Siri. I can't help that Siri is anointed and Google is still struggling. I, I can't help that. I, I, I'm just saying, are you willing to compromise? And so what we see here in the text, and we see here in the text, what we come to find is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The first point that I want you to understand is that compromising causes people to not function as individual units, but with unity. Compromising causes people to not function as individual units, but with unity. Unity. What am I saying? What am I trying to show you? Look in the text. This is what Paul writes. He says uh, that love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Does not act unbecoming. This is where we catch in. It does not seek its own. It's key. It does not seek its own. In other words, when you're willing to say that I love you, you're saying I'm willing to compromise. And as a result of it, what I'm saying is that I don't care if things don't just go my way. It puts us in a position where we say, I don't want to be an individual anymore. I want to be part of a team. I heard the most prolific thing this morning when I went to Walmart. It's amazing the things that you can find out just shopping at Walmart. A man said to me, do you know what team means? I said, no, I don't know what team is. I noticed the thing that came from God because y'all know I'm a fool about acronyms. He says team is an acronym and it means together everyone achieves more. I was like, wow. (laughs) Jesus, are you talking to me today? Together everyone achieves more. It says I'm not just about me. But somehow I've turned that M and the me upside down and we've got to a concept of we. Together we can do more. Together we can achieve more. Paul writes this letter and I believe he writes this letter because even in ministry people can get the big head. All it takes is a preacher to preach two or three messages and he thinks he can pastor better than a pastor. It's some preachers, it's some ministers, deacons, members that say, man, I can do this all better than the pastor. I can do this better than the worship leader. I can do this better. I don't need them. And they make it all about me and lose the concept of we. Paul says that if you're really going to claim you love somebody, if you're really going to claim you love something, then you have to put yourself in a position that you understand that I'm not about just me being satisfied all by myself. I have an understanding that in in compromise, it puts me in a position that says I have to be willing to work together as a team. If you're going to be willing to work together as a team, it means that you have to be considerate of other people's position and what they're going through. You have to be willing to be considerate. Man, me and my boys, we played a basketball game. Tough game. Tough game. I pray ain't nobody in here from Ferris because I'm going to talk about y'all today. Some ruthless people came out of Ferris. They were worse than my South Dallas friend. And we were, we were playing basketball, and I can't help it that wet Waxahachie got some cornbread-fed boys. We some big boys. It happens. We eat good. And, and so we were playing ball, big guys, and they were doing their thing. They were getting their rebounds, and they had these little bitty kids out of Ferris trying to get the rebound. And one of my men just picked them up and twirled them around in the air, and, they, and they, he just got all upset. And as a result of it, once, he, once time he got twirled and, and accidentally twirled him, and he let the ball go, he fell. My man didn't throw him down. He fell. The boy gets all up with his fists all balled up, ready to fight. Mama getting ready to come out of the stands, everything. And the coach in me just took over. I forgot that I was pastor. I forgot. I ain't now one of these kids my kids, but yet and still they all my kids because they on my teams. And somehow I, but from the seat to the middle of the court, I don't know what happened, but the Lord finally got me and stopped me before I did something I would regret. And I had to get to a point to, and I, I called my man off the floor. I said, man, listen, take a break. He was like, coach, I didn't do anything. I understand, but I need you to do this for us. This ain't just about you because I know what they're going to do if I leave you on the floor. They're going to do something to you the other end, and I ain't going to understand. So just come 
and take a seat for us. This ain't just about you. And he looked at me and he said, okay, coach, I understand. Because at some point in life, things are not always going to go the way you want them to go. But if you're willing to compromise, then you have to understand that sometimes my compromise may make me take the low road instead of the high road. Everything ain't going to always go my way. But as long as it's getting us where we need to be, I'm all about the way. I'm all about the we. I'm all about willing to be working together because compromise requires me to understand that I'm no longer an individual unit, but I am committed to working together in unity. That's why when the Bible talks about a husband and wife coming together as two, from two they become one because two minds somehow got to find out how to make that thing one. Can I help you understand? It ain't easy. It's not easy because I wish it was. I wish it was one of those things when you went and stood at the altar, you just stood there, and once the preacher said, you're now pronounced man and wife, God just said, boom. And I thought like she thinks, she think like I think. That would have made this thing so much better. But he ain't do it. God, just put that on your list. You might want to make that happen next year around. Because it's a struggle. Compromising is a decision that says I'm confident, I'm considerate, and as a result of it, I'm willing to compromise. I don't have to be all about myself anymore. This is why it's okay for some people to stay single. Don't don't take it wrong. Even Paul says it in the text. For some people, it was better that they did not marry. Nobody wants to talk about that. Paul was never married most of the Bible. We, we are listening to a man talk about marriage and, and faith and love that was not married. But he's like, man, it's better for some of us because of the way that we conduct ourselves. It just won't work out. God knows how he's wired us. And so some of those people, and I love that Paul might have had a, he might have had an idea that he was all about himself. And he, cause you talk, you see Paul talk, he talked about how good he looked and the style that he had in his eye. God, why did you let this happen to me? You could have took this away from me. But yet and still, he was strong. He was in the military, all these things. But that same energy, he then transferred and poured into sharing the word of God. It's okay to be single. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get on this tangent, but can I tell you something? Don't be sad if you're single. That's just more time to get yourself together. I love my wife and my kids, but I tell you right now, if they wasn't with me, I'd be in Paris right now. It'd be some things turning up in my life. That check would be flowing for real. It, it look, three, four cars in the garage. It'll be all right. But it ain't, a, it ain't a curse to be single. Nothing married folks don't go trying to get a divorce because I said that. Y'all stick this thing out. Compromise. Understand how to work together as a team. It's the first thing that Paul teaches us from the text. Paul teaches us the second thing in the text. Not only does compromising cause us to understand that we do not function as individual units, but we function together in in unity. He pushes us to a second point that says compromising replaces people's ability to be upset with understanding. What do you mean, Pastor? He replaces people's ability to be upset with understanding because he says it does not seek its own. But then he follows it up and it says it does not. It is not provoked. It does not take into account wrong suffered. Paul writes that it is not provoked. It is not provoked. If, you're in, if you really love me, then there's nothing I should do to provoke you, and there's nothing that I can do that should provoke you. I should not seek to provoke you, nor should you be able to say that, oh, you're provoking me, because if you love me, you would not provoke me. If you love me, you would understand that your compromising has to put you in the place where you will not easily get upset, but you will have some form of understanding. I, I, I'm always sad for women and even men that are in relationships that result in domestic violence, where people put hands on people and then turn around and said, I did it because I love you. Love don't hurt like that. The God that I serve has never laid a finger on me. When he could have took, can you imagine if God's love hurt like that? If every time you did him wrong, he just said, because I love you, here, take counsel. Because I love you, gain 30 pounds. My wife did that to me, the 30 pounds thing. I'm just saying. (laughs) She tried to keep me off the market, y'all. That's what she was doing. But imagine if God's love functioned like that. 
Imagine if God's love functioned like that, that he said, every time you do something and you make me hurt, I'm going to hurt you. I am going to be provoked. Paul says, listen, if you really love someone, you put yourself in a position where you're not easily upset, but you put yourself where you replace the ability to be upset with the ability to be understanding. Can I tell you something? Me and my wife come from two separate backgrounds. My wife was raised by a single mother. Go-getter, grinder, made things happen for, fed them living in, living in onions as kids. You know, it just went down. They, they did that thing. I grew up with mama and daddy. No shade, no slack to either side of the family. My dad was one of the best pork chop fries I could ever have in my life. It was going down. It, it, was, it was amazing. She eating living onions. I'm eating pork chops. It was happening. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm sorry, baby. You wasn't in my life back then when he was making those pork chops. And, 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 and so he would, man, he would make those pork chops and smother them in gray. That's a whole other story. We'll talk about that. So, 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 so we come from two different backgrounds. And the problem with the two different backgrounds is there are things that she was exposed to in her background that didn't even fit with my background. It, di- it didn't match. It didn't work. My wife grew up in a strong woman-led household. She made the laws. She made the rules. It, go, it was going down. You know, they shared. They went in each other's room. All of this time. It was just that. That's just different. That was one of the biggest arguments me and my wife had. That don't, kids don't come in my room. In my house... My parents' house was in the back of the room. It had to be a, an emergency for you to go in. They, they ain't got to lock their door. Just don't go in a room. In my wife's house, every room is everybody's room. Don't shut no doors in this house. That, that's just when, what went on in the, in the, in the environment. And so and when we got married, my room don't go in my room. Her room, why can't they come in your room? It's love. Let them get in the bed. No, you don't get in your parents' bed. Where do they do that at? That doesn't happen. But it was because of two separate upbringings. Two separate upbringings that could lead to arguments. And I just talk about the room, but there's so many other things that because of the upbringings that we had, and now that we are unified, it led to a bunch of arguments. And you know what we end up having to do? compromise we had to get to a position to compromise and say you know what your mom and daddy wasn't always right my mama wasn't always right can we find a neutral ground that can fit our lives so that everything can be all right in this household so that we don't have to argue and fuss so that we're not angry and provoked just because things are not going the way that we thought they had to go we had to get to a point where we were willing to compromise and say, you know what? That's good with your way. That's good with my way. Let's figure it out together. But if you're not willing to compromise, that's when you come to a conversation with your fists up. Because the minute you say something to me, I would talk about the boxing match last night, but it hurt my heart. Uh, but you, you're going to knock me down. The minute you say something to me, you're going to continue to charge at me. And man, that fight hurt my heart last night. You're going to continue to charge at me and knock me down until you try to take away something of value to me. A relationship, whether it's marriage, whether it's membership, whether it's job, is never about demeaning someone else's viewpoint just so that you can get your point across. That's not what happens. We have to all get to a point where we all can communicate and we can all have an open floor and dialogue. This is why I believe Jesus Christ had to come and live and die for us. Because here it is, we can go to God and say, God, I know you made us, but you don't understand what we go through. You don't understand how it is to live down here. And every day the enemy is testing you and trying you. You got us caught up in the middle of your battle and his battle. We didn't ask for this, but God says, you know what, since you have that viewpoint, I'm going to make myself flesh and I'm going to send my son down to live the same life that you live, that'll go through the same burdens, that'll go through the same struggles, that'll go through the same trials so that he can have the ultimate same testimony. Did you not forget that once he was baptized and the angel of the Holy Spirit transcended upon him like a dove, he went into the wilderness and he was tried and tested three times. That was not the only time. Over and over, God has been tried and tested, but he says, listen, I have to remain faithful to my Father, God says, listen, even when he was in, in the position of being, being at the point to be a sacrifice, he was there and he was praying. And he said, can this cup pass from me? 
Can you do something? God, can you work something out? And he, then he gets to the point, he says, listen, well, if it can't, let not my will, but your will be done. Let not my will, but your will be done. Put me in a position where I can experience everything that you want me to experience just so that we can reach the goal that we were always shooting for. This is what compromising is all about, is understanding that I compromise so that I can complete the goal. I'm willing to compromise so that I can complete the goal. So Paul says, if you're really willing to compromise, then you're not going to put yourself in a position where you're going to be willing to be provoked. But he goes until he brings you to a second point because he says compromising causes people to not function as individual units. He says compromising replaces people's ability to be upset. The last and final point, and we'll take it out here, compromises encouraging pe- encourages people to not act unethically but upright. That's what compromising causes people to do. He says it in the text. He says it in the text that is not provoked. He says it does not take into account wrong suffered. But then it, this is where he gets us in verse six, and we'll close on this: that it does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with truth. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in truth. This is why we can say that when you compromise, it encourages you to not act unethically, but it puts you in a position to act upright. Why? Because the reality is that once somebody says something to you that you really don't like and that you really don't want to do, then you have two choices. Either you get an attitude and you do what you want to do, or you say, okay, let's figure out how we can work this out together. Because the ultimate thing is that the reason why we are compromising is because we have somewhere that we're trying to get. We have something that we're trying to do. We have a point of destination. We have a purpose. And as a result of it, I have to understand that me acting a fool ain't going to get us nowhere. It's not going to make anything better. This is why I believe God did just turn everything upside down and destroy us and erase us. Because he said, it doesn't fix anything. It makes me wrong and it makes the enemy the victory. It gives the enemy the victory. Why? Because he's poured so much into us. He showed us that he loves us so much. And all the enemy does is say, you think you've given them more than me? You think they any better than me? They're going to turn on you just like I did. They'll follow me. They'll give up on you. But God says, no, 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 they're better. They're better. They have my breath. They have, they have the life that I've given them. And so because I've said I love them, because I know that when I created them, I said they were good, I can't give up on them and call them bad. Oh, somebody missed that. She was good when you married her 10 years ago. What makes her bad now? It was the best church in the world when you joined five years, some of y'all five minutes ago. But what makes it so bad now? We are so quick to give up on people. We're so quick to give up. Why? Because one or two things did not go our way. Now, I'm not telling you if God says, listen, it's time for you to move. Your season is done. You've done your job. It's time to go on. But the reality is that you cannot open your mouth and say you love something and then turn around and act unrighteous towards it. But many of us, day in and day out, we say, oh, Lord, I love you. Lord, you amazing. God, I thank you. You brought me a mighty long way. This is what we do on Sunday mornings. But Monday, we go act unrighteous. How do you act unrighteous? Because when you get around your friends, you forget the God you serve. You do what you want to do. You say what you want to say. You live how you want to live. Play how you want to play. That's taking some of y'all back. That's taking some of y'all back. Many times we show God how much we love him because we lack the ability to compromise and love him the way he desires to be loved. Do you not realize that God has already loved you as much as he could love you? I don't think you understand. There was a place that was void. There was nothing here. And he says, listen, the enemy has just took a third of the angels. He's gone. And you know what? I just don't want to control everything anymore. I want someone to love me for who I am. I just want them to love me. So he sees this place that's void. It's not conducive for something he loves to be there. 
So he works for five days preparing the place for that which he wants to create that he loves. He labors. He speaks things into existence. He makes it the perfect environment for humanity. And then he, he forms humanity out of the dust of the earth and, and he breathes into the lungs of man and he forms Adam. Adam is created. He, he loves him. He says, listen, name everything. Do what you want to do. And then he looks at him and he says, although I love you, it's not good for you to be by yourself. Giving you lions, tigers, bears, dogs, I'm giving you all these things, but none of them are suitable companions for you. So let me put you to sleep. And because I want to make everything right for you, I'm going to make an extension of you. I'm going to, ooh, an extension of you. Y'all don't know how to have church. (laughs) He doesn't make a duplicate of you. He makes an extension of you. He doesn't say, Adam, stay right here. Hold on. I'll be right back. Let me take some sand uh, and I'm going to whip it up and blow into it. Hold on, Adam. Does she look like you want her to look? Come look at her, Adam. Is she good? Okay. He does not do that. He say, Adam, because I know what's best for you. I need to put you to sleep. And I need to because I'm going to call y'all to be like-minded. So I might as well make an extension of you. I'm going to put you asleep and I'm going to put you asleep. I'm going to take your rib. And from your rib, I'm going to make her. I'm taking your DNA and I'm embedding it in her. Your vision and I'm giving it to her. Your hopes and I'm giving it to to her. Your love and I'm giving it to her. Many of us fail in relationships because what we fail to understand is what God has what God has put you in is an extension of you. It's not called to destroy you but it's called to build you. Many of us fail to understand that whatever he connects us to it's not about it's better than you. It's an extension of you. People want to pastor, why do you go so crazy for your church? Because my church is an extension of me. When you think of Believer City, I want you to think of me. I don't mind passing our flies. I went to Walmart this morning and Isaiah was putting flies on cars on the way to church because it's an extension of me. I don't want to see it hurt. I don't want to see it alone. I don't want to see it broke because it's an extension of me because I love it. And so as a result of it, I'm willing to compromise. Even when it's an inconvenience for me sometimes, I know what it needs me to do. And as a result of it, since it can't do it for itself, I'm willing to do it myself. This is what God says, his love. He creates humanity. He loves us so much. He forms us. He gives us an extension of us. Even when we mess up, he still walks with us. Even when we do wrong, he still sacrifices. Even when we say, Lord, we trust you, he still blesses us when we do wrong. Because he loves us. His love puts him in a compromising position. His love puts him in a position that says, my grace should always be sufficient. It says, I will continue to share my mercy with you. Can you imagine feeling the pain of being cheated on every day? And not only being cheated on, but you know who they cheating on you with. Ooh, them women heard that one right there. Y'all felt that and nothing else today. Waking up every day knowing that the person that you have loved and sacrificed is cheating on you. Can I help y'all understand? Some of y'all, if y'all was God, y'all would be the rolled up fool. What you finna do? You really finna, you really finna try this? After what I just did for you? Boom, stop breathing. Instantly. Instantly. But because he loves us, He continues to give us chance after chance. We cheat on God every day. We cheat on him every day. Some of you say, well, I'm not having an affair with sin. Yeah, but some of you are not taking the time to study. You're not communicating. You're not giving them. You're a cheater. You spend more time talking to Facebook than you do putting your face in the book. You're cheating. We do it every day. When we say that we love God, we have to be willing to compromise and say, Lord, I'm going to give up what I want to do what it is that you want. 
And when we put ourselves in that position, then he gets the glory. I share with our leadership team this morning, the worst thing that we can do is put us in a place where we want all the gifts of God, but not the glory of God. That's the worst thing that we can do. Dr. J's, T.D. J's, she shared this with us, that many of us always want the new things, the new car, the new house, the new spouse, the new, new friends, the new job, the new money. We want the new things, but we leave his glory behind. I want to be like the disciples were and like many of you were when you first told God that I'm all in. When Simon Peter was on the water, they cast their net, they caught the multitude of fish, the biggest catch they've ever caught. They brought it in, called his friends over to help him bring it in. He could have had fish fry for days, could have been the biggest baller, bank account could have been set, but he was given an opportunity to say, do you want fat? Or do you want me? And Peter, although he felt like he did not deserve it, he left the blessing to follow the blesser. Many of us have to get to a point in our lives where we're willing to leave the blessing to follow the blesser. The gift is worth nothing without the glory. No matter how gifted you are in singing, no matter how gifted you are in dancing, doesn't matter how gifted you are in accounting, it does not matter how gifted you are in musician, doesn't matter how great you can cook, if you don't have God's glory in your life, it's not going to prosper. When we're talking about this glory, when we're talking about encountering the goodness of God, in order for us to get there, you're going to have to be willing to compromise. Just like God compromised for you. You have to be willing to say, you know what? I know what my flesh wants, but I know what my spirit needs. And if I give into the spirit, the great thing about the spirit is God says, if I give into him, then he will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. But the problem is when I give into the flesh, it never satisfies the spiritual void that is in my life. I want you to feel God's love to the best ability you possibly can. But the only way you can do that is if you're willing to love him back. If you're willing to be confident in your stand as a believer, if you're willing to be considerate of what God is asking you to do, and you're willing to compromise your personal beliefs to get to the purpose, the place where God has called you to be. God is calling us as believers to compromise and compromise is not a bad thing. It's a good thing because it bridges two worlds together to get to one destination. And that's what God wants to do for you. Can we give God a hand clap of praise? What an amazing word from God. Listen, we thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message. And it's because of that that we want to extend two invitations to you. Our first invitation is if you're ever in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, for you to actually stop in and worship with us at Believer City Church. We would greatly appreciate the opportunity to get to know you better. The second thing that we would invite you to do is if you want to partner with us in ministry. This message has been able to impact your life in any way, form, or fashion. You're able to partner with us simply by going to our website at BelieverCity.org and clicking on the Give tab and just donating whatever God allows to your heart to do so. Uh, you can also download our app by going to Google Play or the App Store and download Believer City Church. And there's ways that you can connect with us there, pray with us, give, and so many things that you can do to stay connected to the Believer City community. We thank you again for listening to this message, and we look forward to worshiping with you in the future. God bless you.